Alrighty. So, before we get into the uh, Bible reading and sermon for today, I have an activity for us. So, uh, has everybody got a bucket, a little cup, uh, a pen or a texture or a pencil, and some sticky notes? Anybody missing one? Okay, so there should be plenty of spares around. So we're just going to take a minute. So if, you, if you're missing one, yep, there should be heaps around the place. Make sure everyone's got one. Any, put your hand up if you need one. Don't be shy. There's lots of spares around the place. Alrighty. Um, so as you are getting your sticky notes ready and your pen to do some writing, um, welcome to people who are listening to the podcast or watching online as well. And if you are... Um, if you're joining us that way, just grab a little container and some pieces of paper and a pen, or at the very least, a smartphone with a note-taking app. Um, that'll, that'll do the job. So I want to, you to think, oh, I've got a slightly bigger bucket, okay, just so you can see. Um, I want you to think of this bucket as the thing that uh, contains your life. It's a bit like your body, in a sense. It, you, in your body is everything about you, your brain and everything in that, your heart and everything in that, your spirit. So it, this is kind of like your body. This, is, this contains your life. It holds your history, your identity, what you own, who you know, all of that stuff, okay? So that's, that's what this is going to represent today. We're going to try and fill this bucket with the things uh, that, will, um, that kind of represent that what's in your life. So this is going to represent your life and everything, everything in it. So everything from your friends, from your name to your friends to your job, right through to your bank balance. Everything relational, physical, intellectual, uh, financial, all of that. So I'm going to ask you to get your pen ready and write down some of these things on the sticky note. So I'm going to go through these one by one, but they're also on the screen. So just start with your name. Okay, we're going to try and work pretty fast. So write your name down, drop it in your bucket. No, 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 no. No scams involved here. <laughs> okay? I'm going to try and move through these quickly. Now, a word or two that describes you. Yep. So you take the sticky note off. Right, where's mine? I don't have one with my name on it, but that's right. So you just take the piece of paper, drop it in. Okay, next one. A word or two that describes you on the next sticky note. Don't think too hard about it. Just funny fellow or something, if you like, or whatever you like. Serious person. Okay, drop that one in. Next is going to be, you can use two or three sticky notes for this if you want, those closest to you. So it might be your family or it might be the few people who are friends or relative, uh, friends who are, who are really close to you. Now, if you've got six kids, um, you can write kids on the, one, on the one sticky note or if you've got three kids, but otherwise, write their names down, drop them in the bucket. This is, they are part of your life, an important part of your life. How are we going? Any more time for that one? That's all right. It's just symbolic, so I'm not going to test you on it later. Uh, your job is next, or an important role that, that um, you have in your life, an important role that you play. So a job or your role might be mum, might be doctor, whatever. Next one is... What you would consider to be your most valuable skill or qualification. So that might be, you know, my, my 
doctorate in something, but it also might be that you're a, uh, you, you um, have skills in leadership or something like that, or you are a skilled uh, soccer player or something, whatever. A skill or a qualification. Next one, a status which you hold, which is important to you or others. Now, this might tie in with the other ones, but it might be that there's something that hasn't been written down yet, like, uh, you know, Others consider me to be a mentor, or you. What's important to you is you're a friend, or a coach, or it might be a status in your company that you're a CEO or something like that. So a status that you hold that's important to you and others. Don't think too hard about it. Whatever comes to mind. We're almost at the end. Finally, we're onto some of the physical and and financial ones. So. Uh, your most treasured possessions. I'm going to put mine in while I'm at it. I just got symbols. One or two most treasured possessions in your life. Got them? Okay, now your approximate bank balance. Now, don't worry, like, not, look, you don't need to go on your mobile banking app and check what the balance of your $20. $20,000, whatever it is, just something, approximately what you think your bank balance is, and if applicable, the equity on your house. All right? That, what that means is if your house is worth um, 300000 and you only owe 200000 then write $100,000, okay? Now, you're not going to have to show anyone else or anything like that. Just this is all the things that, that, that fill our life that actually are... are not who we are, but what's in our life. Now, if there's anything else, next slide, that we haven't covered in terms of what you value, the capital in your life that's relational or it's intellectual or it's physical or it's financial, um, I think we've covered the financial and the kind of material ones, but if there's anything else that's sort of in your life, that's a part of your life, it's valued, it's a treasure, if you like, um, just write it down and chuck it in, and then I think we're done. So hopefully you've got... 10, 12, maybe 13 sticky notes in there by now. Um, I did this earlier, but I've just got symbol, symbols on mine um, to represent the different, the different things in my bucket. Let's just take another 10 seconds, finish off, and then you can just hold on to your bucket. Okay, all good? You're wondering, like, where is he going with this? This is Okay, the good news is, the good news of Jesus is that if you have Christ in your life, all of these things, whether you're proud of them or not, most of the things I think were good things we put in there, but there might be other things that kind of are in your life that are quite prominent. So whether you're proud of them or not, they don't actually define us if we are in Christ, if we are Christians. They don't define us, but they are. it is easy to let them begin to define us, our status or who, who likes us or who, who are the most important people in our life or whatever it might be. It's easy to let them define us and it's easy to let the things that are in here define and shape what we do with our bucket, what we do with our body, our lives on this earth, right? Because they're all valuable things that have come to us either by chance or by hard work. So let me ask you a few questions before we, we go and we read from Mark chapter 10 today. Uh, first question is, 
and we've sort of already covered this today when Aaron was, was speaking before, how much of all this is from God? Yeah, not a trick question. All of it. It's all from God, right? So what I want you to do, a little exercise, pick one thing out randomly. Don't choose, just pick one out. Okay, I've chosen my car. Pick one out. And the question is, if God asked you for that thing or person or relationship or status that you've just picked out, how would you feel about giving it back to him? Just have a think about that. Now put it back in. Take another one. With this one, whatever you've picked out, I've picked my house now. If God asked you to pass this on to someone else, to give it up for someone else, how would you feel about that? And if you don't feel it applies, maybe try another one and see how you feel about that one. And now finally, take the bucket and consider how you would feel if God said, empty it out. All right? It's just, it's just to get us thinking about what's, what's in our life, what's in our bucket. How would you feel if God said, empty that? Now, I did this myself the other day, and honestly, when I considered everything in here, job security, financial security, family, possessions, knowledge, key relationships, like you, I, I had to really think about how would I feel about if I had to give this over to God, if I had to give this back to God? Would I be willing? Some of the things a little easier than others. Other things, ooh, how, how, how would that go if God said, Luke, I want you to give up, dot, dot, dot. So having done that, what I want to do now is pray. We're, um, Aaron's going to come up and read the passage for today. And uh, then we're going to reflect on God might want to say to us through this passage about an encounter that Jesus had with a man who wanted to know, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? How do I follow you, Jesus? So uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this opportunity today to learn from your word, to be challenged, but also to be reassured that this stuff in our bucket doesn't define us, Jesus. As Christians, uh, you have entered our lives and you want to shape who we are. And so I pray this would be something we learn more today and that we have a revelation of today as you come close to us, Holy Spirit, in this moment, in this space. Open our ears to you, Holy Spirit, that we may hear from you and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Aaron. Reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 17 to 31. Verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. 
Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. Alrighty. So I pray that as we reflect on that today, the Lord actually encourages us, uh, really uh, challenges us with what this might mean, but also that we find a joy and a peace, and I believe that he can do that. Um, let's first consider this interaction with the rich man and what it says about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is reflecting God's heart, reflecting the nature of the Father God and how God relates with us. That's what this was happening here. So first of all, there's this affirmation and a challenge. This, this man was genuinely asking for wisdom and for instruction. He's saying, tell me what to do, Jesus. I want your advice. I want your wisdom. Because he seems, but he seems to be looking for some affirmation as well. He seems to be looking for, a, a, an affirm, for Jesus to affirm him for doing the right thing because he wasn't a, a dirty, rotten kind of scumbag. He, he actually honoured God in, with his life. He's doing a lot right, and he, and he receives this affirmation from Jesus. Jesus says, look, no one is truly good except God, but he's pleased with how this man has lived. He's, he's lived according to God's ways, God's commandments. But then that affirmation that Jesus does give them and that he's looking for is combined with a challenge, and they go next to each other. He, he, Jesus lovingly affirms him, and then he deeply challenges him. And, and this two-part thing that Jesus offers is a reflection of God's character and his interaction with us. And God is unlike anyone else in this sense. This is who God is. He is simultaneously completely loving and inviting and encouraging and affirming. And he is challenging and confronting and convicting towards us. He both affirms us and he challenges us. He encourages us and he convicts us. And this is something that time and time again I tend to forget because of just human relationships and how we can do this too, but generally we don't do it anywhere near as well as God. Usually we offer towards other people one or the other. 
We either um, approach someone in a particular situation with complete love and acceptance and embrace, or we'll condemn and we'll criticise and we'll, we'll disapprove. And it's really rare, and not, not impossible, but it's rare to find somebody who will consistently affirm and celebrate and encourage 100%, while also challenging you on your... Uh, your sin and, and what is not pleasing to God and actually call you to change your ways. But that is what the Holy Spirit does. And I, I say the Holy Spirit in particular, at this, the, the third person of the Trinity, God present with us here today. Um, because this is what God does, but for us in our lives, the Holy Spirit present in us as Christians, this is what he does. And if we're just a Christian with a Bible and that's it, trying to go, God, what do you want me to do? What's in the Scriptures? We won't necessarily experience the fullness of relationship with God in this way where the Holy Spirit speaks loving encouragement and affirmation and conviction and challenge. The Holy Spirit, when he speaks to us personally, he breathes on the words of Scripture, which if we just read on our own, we'll kind of go one way or the other, but the Holy Spirit breathes on the words of Scripture in our ears, words are which are unlike any other. They affirm us and they challenge us. They encourage us and they convict us. And let me add that God does this perfectly. Perfectly. Right? And it means that we can trust that if we are hearing a voice that only brings critique and challenge and disapproval and 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 it doesn't have a loving gentleness attached to it as well. It's not the voice of God. On the other hand, if God seems to always only be saying to you, you're perfect just the way you are, don't change a thing, it's probably not God you're hearing. God does this perfectly, both together. And I think the best picture of this uh, that illustrates God's interaction with us is a mother or father and their child, because, of course, God is a loving father. So um, are you with me? Is this... Sink in. Okay. Micah is uh, my oldest. He's three. He's not very well today, so he's not here. Um, and he's three, he's almost three years old, and he acts like it. Right? So, not, but not once have I ever said, I don't think so at least, uh, this kid is just a perfectly matured, wise, godly human being. He's three, right? We just wouldn't put that expectation on him. He's actually a snot nosed little lovely person who drives Karen and I up the wall sometimes. That's just the honest truth, and uh, those of you parents would know the experience. But as his dad, not once have I said to him or to anyone else that he's a failure as my son. I wouldn't say that. What I, In, in fact, every th- time he, he throws a tantrum or he plays up in some way or uh, does something that he just doesn't have the developmental capacity to comprehend why he shouldn't do it. Because that's the age of two and a half or three. Every time he does that, I do two things, or at least I try to the best I can. I alert him to the fact that he should not act that way and that his behaviour needs to change. And, on a good day, I remind him of how much I love him, that I care about him, that I care about his well-being, and that I care about the well-being of those around him because of his actions, like his little brother who almost just got his arm bent backwards or whatever it was, right? And I do it because nothing will change the fact that he's my child and I love him, 
and I want him to mature and learn and grow. So we do both. It's the same with our dad, with our heavenly father. And whenever I really start to tune into the father's voice and spend time in his presence and spend time in scripture to let the Holy Spirit speak to me, with other followers of Jesus especially, the Holy Spirit begins to remind me of the Father's voice. You're my son, so no matter what, I love you. But you're not a big boy yet, right? You're still learning what needs to change to be more like me, and this needs to change. So there's an affirmation and there's a challenge together. There's probably better words than that, but that's, that's one way to put it. So the question is if God lovingly affirms and encourages us together, challenges and convicts us as well as affirms and encourages, are we receiving both? Are we receiving both that affirmation we need from our Heavenly Father and the challenge to grow and to change? There's a couple of approaches we can take uh, to the life of following Jesus. One emphasizes the doing, the kind of taking up the challenge, and one emphasizes the being and, and being comfortable in the affirmation. So we're going to look at these two approaches and maybe what's needed to balance it out. First would be a doing-centered Christian, where there's a tendency towards what's the challenge? What's the thing I've got to do, God? How do I need to change because I'm not good enough yet? We can ignore the voice of God as much as we want and just do what we think he wants. We can push harder, we can press further and work smarter and do better, and we can do it all for God, right? All for God. God, I just want to serve you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to reach more people. And we can do all of that, all of which is good. But we can do all of that while neglecting to even listen to what he's asking of us in the first place, day by day, in the quiet place. And I know that God speaks through his word. I know that we have fully and finally established mandates as Christians that we don't need to go, God, are you saying this? It's there. This is how we ought to live. It's his wisdom in his word. And he has spoken through the scripture. I know that. But my Bible doesn't say that God stopped speaking when John penned the final word of Revelation. And church history doesn't say that God stopped speaking when they formed the canon of Scripture or when they wrote the creeds or when the Reformation happened or when postmodernism enlightened us or any of that. My Bible says that God is my Father. And let me ask you this. Which one of you mothers or fathers in the room ever thought this thought? You know what? When my child is born, I reckon if I write them a book kind of all about me and how I think and act, and leave it with them, I, don't, I wouldn't have to be personally present with them for the rest of their life. I could just leave and be somewhere else. Did anybody think of doing that when their child was born? Now, God is near to us. He speaks to us in personal and timely ways. And I know I'm making some of you really nervous right now because it sounds like I'm disregarding the Bible and the authority of Scripture. And I'm not. Everything God says by his Holy Spirit is tested by, guided by, and more often than not based in Scripture. 
It's like this, as God speaks, his voice, the atmosphere through which his voice travels is Scripture. But Scripture itself is not his voice. His voice is his voice. The Father speaking to us lovingly, closely, he is not distant and nor is he silent. And just to spend a minute on this before we get back to the passage and what it's about, this is such an important part. I need a volunteer just to illustrate something. Can someone... Be my volunteer. Okay, Peter. Actually, stand up there. That's good. I want you to stand right at the back. I'm just going to turn off my microphone for one second, okay? And just tell me if you can hear me. Uh, what about now? Okay, you can hear me now. Now come closer, Peter. When you come stand, stand here next to me. Um, why couldn't you hear me the first time? Not enough volume, but I mean, uh, you can hear me now. Yes. You sure you can hear me now? Very sure. Okay. <laughs> what was the difference? Distance, right? Have you ever wondered why God speaks in whispers? He doesn't shout, he doesn't yell, ah, what are you doing? Gently, softly, he speaks in whispers. Why is it? Because he's close. Thanks, Peter. Because he's close. He's not far off, distant, wrote us a book so that we could experience him through the book only. He's close to us. He speaks to us through his word, but he speaks to us right here by our side and even with his spirit itself in us, gently, softly. He speaks to us this way in whispers because he's close. And I pray that as followers of Jesus, we would learn to lean in close. We'd learn to lean into the whispers of God, learn to hear his voice. And listening, this is where if you tend towards that doing, this is where listening to God shifts us from just doing, being a Christian, do, 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 to actually responding, which still involves action. It still involves doing what God asks, but it's a responding to his still small voice in our lives. A life with God, not just for God. Uh, if you have ever come across a, um, a book called With by Sky Jathani. I just read it brilliant about not just living for God or from God or over God or under God, but living, doing life with God. I highly recommend it. I realize um, that this, this passage that we've read today is not just about listening to the voice of God and how to hear him and all that, but it is about a guy who came to Jesus on his knees saying, Jesus, speak to me, guide me, show me what you want me to do. He had a genuine desire to honour and serve God. He followed the scriptures, did what pleased God, and Jesus loved that. He, he, Jesus, Jesus said, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him, Mark writes. So this is actually one half of the life of a disciple is these open ears, listening, being willing to listen. Uh, someone willing to say, God, you show me, you guide me, you tell me the way, especially if you're a doing person. It helps you listen to the affirmation and not just the challenge. So we're responding out of God's love. The second leaning, though, is being a being-centered Christian where there's this tendency towards the affirmation and being comfortable in just, yeah, I'm God's child. And obviously this is important to listen, to have that affirmation, but if you tend towards that, the other half of it is doing what he says. And this man, because this rich man in the story, because of what was in his bucket, 
was not able to become a disciple of Jesus because he actually loved other stuff more than what he was asking God to help him get to. He loved another kingdom more than the kingdom that he was actually helping Jesus, asking Jesus to help him enter, the kingdom of where all this comes from. And the request was simple. Jesus basically says, empty your bucket. Really simple, but really, really hard. In fact, Jesus says it's impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God because when rich defines you, when that makes you who you are, you're actually too full to enter through the narrow gate to the kingdom. That No earthly riches pass through the gate from this world to the next. So Jesus uses this analogy of the camel through the eye of a needle. How does that happen? Well, it doesn't. No camels getting through the eye of a needle, right? Now, if you were to take away the bucket itself and you say, well, this is what's in your life, this is kind of what fills your life, I guess the, the, the metaphor to take it a bit further is that um, there's, a, there's a bunch of weights there. There's a lot of stuff. And, and so that can't get through. I need a gate of some sort. That can't get through the, empty, that can't get through the eye of the needle. The, na- the gate to the kingdom of God is small and narrow, and this can't push its way through. And so this is where we actually need God to do something supernatural. He said you literally can't enter, enter if you're rich and look rich in a, in a whole number of ways. 1% of the world, all that, I get it. We're rich. <laughs> we are rich. We have so much in our lives whether it's financially, intellectually, physically, relationally, whatever, we need God to make the impossible possible to enter through the narrow gate. Now, this is where Christians so much of the time tend to go, thank goodness what's impossible with men is possible with God. I can get in. So I can keep everything in my bucket and God will save me anyway. Praise the Lord. And that's not quite the message here. And we say, sort of say, oh, and God, because I'm so thankful, where's my, um, my money one? Because I'm so thankful, um, I'll bless you with my tithe and I'll, I'll serve on Sundays, um, except when I can't, and I'll, I'll just make sure that I take tax out before that. And, and so, God, thank you so much for all you've given me and I'll bless you with a little bit of it. The miracle, though, of us gaining entry into the kingdom of heaven is not that we go, oh, thank you, God, for all of this. I'll give you back a tiny bit. It's that we are emptied and willing to be emptied so much that we become small enough, nothing enough, that when this earthly vessel disappears, we are small enough, we are nothing enough, free enough, emptied enough to be able to enter through the Ivan Needle, the gates of the kingdom of God. It's the miracle of a transformed heart that's willing to let it all go, to let it be completely emptied. And the big challenge is that we're not just talking about money and possessions. Jesus said, those who are willing to give up father and mother and brother and sister, yes, we'll gain uh, many, many, many times more all of that, plus persecution, don't have time to go into that today, we'll, we'll gain all of this back, but most of all, will gain the kingdom of God. It's a miracle of a transformed heart to be willing to let it go. A willingness to give up everything and everyone, should God ask. Now, it's a genuine belief and lifestyle 
What we're talking about is a genuine belief in lifestyle that Jesus is actually the only essential in my life. That's what we're talking about. Emptying the bucket of everything else so that what we really value is him. Now, I believe there are things in our bucket that have a way of making themselves to the outside. They're, really, they're things we value internally, I get that. So we've got in here, we've got financial things, we've got people, we've got relationships, we've got intellectual, we've got status, job, where we find our identity. Uh, but our lives are actually far more transparent than we realise. And you'll see that your cup is kind of a little bit um, uh, uh, you know, written on with, with, with shiny bits, Maybe rep- I don't know, maybe representing how we kind of try to make our lives look good, but actually it's a little bit transparent as well, like my bucket. And uh, we can try and hide the things that are in here, and we can kind of go, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll just make sure that people can't see that one, I'll, I'll, I'll put it at the back. And, um, but ultimately our lives show through. The things that we value, the things that we treasure, if we turn around again, oh, there it is again. That which is in our life shows outside of this quite transparent skin. Our interactions with others, the way we talk, who we spend our time with, where and how we spend our time and money, people can see. And, and you might uh, try and hide it, but it ultimately comes out. Even if it's, whether that be something good or whether that be some of the things we didn't put in here, like guilty pleasures and addictive tendencies and things we try to hope we don't value, but we ultimately do. People can see our lives are quite transparent. When everything else is emptied out, it's all poured out before God, and all that's in there is Jesus. Now what do people see? You with me? When our Lives are emptied out. When we're willing to say, God, all of that stuff, you can have it. And it's just Jesus. This is what people see. And this is what we really mean when we say that we want to be like Jesus. We want to be disciples of Jesus, imitators of him, or our mission statement, to live and love like Jesus. It means that what fills our life is Jesus and only Jesus, so that when people look at us, they see us being like Jesus. They see him. Have you ever wondered why God said through the prophets, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh? When he was foretelling what would happen at Pentecost, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Maybe it's because we humans are a bit like buckets. We're a bit like these containers, these vessels, and we need the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit poured into us so that through this skin, which is more transparent than we might think, people see Jesus. They see God at work in our lives. If our tendency is towards affirmation and just being comfortable in this place where we just hear God speaking but are not necessarily willing to obey him. When we lay our lives down and are willing to lay parts of our lives down, obey him, say, yes, I'll give this over to you, God. It shifts us from just this comfort in being and affirmation to actually partnering with him. Because if you think about all these other things, which are now all over the floor, what about them? What about if we pour them out to God and say, God, have them back? How does it actually work? I think when we're willing to empty them out and hand them over to God, and if this is God's bucket, he's a lot bigger than us, uh, that he actually entrusts us to share this partnership of, 
of using them and managing them. And when we're not ready to handle a car or when we're not ready to handle finances or certain relationships or certain responsibilities, he doesn't give that to us yet. And we need to grow and we need to mature until he says, now you're ready to handle that. Now you're ready to manage that. And there's a partnership that takes place. But what goes wrong, what, what, it goes wrong when we try to take responsibility, we try to take over uh, the grasp of things which God hasn't yet entrusted us to manage, to steward. The rich man was not a, a rude, ruthless, bad man who was just doing all the wrong things. He was a godly man. And this story shows that God only asks of us what we're ready to be asked to do. And this man had proven himself in so many ways. He'd obeyed God, he'd followed the commandments, and this was the final step. It was just the final step. So, okay, now it's about emptying out all of your possessions and your finances for the sake of the poor. And God will not ask us to do what he knows will destroy us. He'll ask us one thing at a time. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to give up this. I want you to use this in this way to hopefully bring us to a point where we're willing to say, God, everything in here, it's all for you. I'll give it over to you. And I think for some of us, it it, it will take um, a a bit of a miracle because Jesus says it's impossible, but these things are possible with God. A bit of a miracle to empty out our bucket, to empty out our life, to hand everything over to him but it's a heart response. It's not something that we force ourselves to do. It's a heart response that God needs to prompt. And I think what I want to leave us with this morning is a suggestion that God will test our heart in practical ways. So all the things that are in your bucket right now, he might just say, a little bit of that one. I want that now. And we have an opportunity to either say, oh, no, that's, that's more valuable to me, God, or to say, no, I want you to be the one who fills my life, and we hand it over, or we use it in the way he wants. And then he might say, that one, I need you to trust me with that, one bit at a time. God will ask us to do things which test our willingness to empty the whole bucket. So the Holy Spirit affirms and challenges us, encourages us and convicts us, wants us to change. When we tend towards the doing, the challenge, we need to ensure that we first listen. When we tend towards the affirmation, the being, we need to ensure that we're actually doing what he's asking. It's as simple as that. It's on the screen right now. Listening and obeying, responding as God's partners. It's as simple as that and as hard as that. So here's what I'd like us to do. Get your bucket. Uh, Knowing that you can't enter the kingdom of God with your bucket full of all that stuff. Emptying it and placing our lives completely in the hands of Jesus. This is the way to receive salvation. What I'm going to ask you to do, therefore, is not go and sell all of your possessions and sell your house and give all of your money to the poor or the church, and certainly not going to ask you to give up all of your family relationships and go be a missionary in Africa or something like that. That's not the point. My question is this, though. Is there one thing in here 
that God's asking you this morning to hand over to him in a practical way as a symbol of your complete obedience to him? Is that just one thing? Maybe it's even just a part of one thing. Maybe if the place where your heart goes is financial, maybe it's giving God back the first and best of that tithe, the principle of entrusting him with the first of what he entrusts you with financially. Maybe it's possessions, and so maybe God's saying, within your possessions, use to use something of that, to use what you have for his purposes. Or maybe it's a relational thing, and it's about those relationships that are getting in the way of your discipleship and your relationship with God and saying, God, I'm willing to cut that, that dangerous and that, that unhelpful relationship off. And, and I want to suggest that as you think about this in the next few minutes, so you think about, God, what is it that as a symbol of my complete obedience to you, you want me to hand over to you in some practical way? I want to suggest that the thing that your mind goes to first, that you would most struggle to let go of. That's likely the thing that God wants to say, I need you to give it to me in some way, in some practical way. So I want to encourage you, don't avoid the stuff that's most got your heart. Maybe nothing to do with possessions or finances. Maybe around status and how people see you. Don't avoid the stuff that most, that's most got your heart in some way to give that over to God. Because here's the thing, and this is what I really want to leave us with this morning. When Jesus is the only thing in your bucket, well, we know that he is the one whose burden is easy and his yoke is light. And so whatever has your heart, whatever has your heart, as soon as you pour it out to God, before God, you're free. Let me say that again because I, I want to make sure that we leave with the right uh, mindset here. Whatever has your heart, really, as soon as you give it over to God, as soon as you pour it out before God, you are free because his burden is easy and his yoke is light. As we pray about what it is that God might want us to do, say, pray, or enact this morning, I just want to do that as we reflect on a song um, that's really um, impacted and challenged me and also helped me uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, if you